Hi, and welcome to Cameron's Baptist Church Sermons Podcast. We hope you're blessed by today's message. So you see me, I, I am scheduled to preach today, um, but I want to introduce to you a f- friend of mine, Michael Zotowski. Come up. You see, God is so good, he, he, he saved even Americans from Brooklyn. Um, and so Michael uh, is a, an old friend of mine. <laughs> Not that old, but he's an old friend of mine. And I hope he will bless you this morning and as he preaches. And don't say bad things about me, my friend. Preach Jesus. <laughs> Let me tell you what. He said, I'm asking the wrong guy. <laughs> See if you're on. Am I on? Are you on? Is it on? Does it work? Yeah. You on? He's on. Hello. Hello. Okay, let's pray for Mike. Hi, hi, hi. Anyway, Lord, I want to thank you for Mike. I pray that your Holy Spirit will use him mightily to speak to us. Have your way. And Lord, take control of his being and bless your church this morning as you blessed him. In Jesus' name, amen. My name is Mike. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. I lived here in the UK for 20 years, so I'm a British citizen. And now I'm living in Brazil for nine years, so maybe one day. I'll be a Brazilian citizen, which makes me a man with no country. Because wherever I go, I don't feel at home. I go back to New York, everybody's different. I've changed, I've grown. I don't feel like I'm at home. I, in, honest, in honesty, I look at Americans and I, I'm ashamed at how they act. But that's me. I come to England, the British don't like Americans. <laughs> and they're not shy to make it known. Yeah. So that's okay. I go to Brazil and I don't understand most of what people say. So, but that's all okay because I have a new citizenship in heaven. So I'm, I'm sort of glad that I lost all these citizenships because I, have, I don't hold on to them. I want to read to you from First Thessalonians chapter 2. Beginning in verse 1. For you yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our reception among you was not in vain. But after we had already suffered and been treated abusively in Philippi, as you know, we had the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amid much opposition. Opposition. 
For our exhortation does not come from error or impurity or by way of deceit, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not intending to please people, but to please God, who examines our hearts. For we never came with flattering speech, as you know, nor with the pretext for greed, God is our witness. Nor did we seek honor from God, from people, either because you or from others, though we could have asserted our authority as apostles of Christ, we proved to be gentle among you, as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. I come to you today because God has arranged for me to be here. It's not my own plan or wishes. So when God empowers me to speak through the Holy Spirit who lives within me, who is alive and active, I will speak. And because of this, most people either love me or hate me. Love me or hate me. Very few people walk the middle road. And sometimes even those who love me hate me. But we can reconcile. Because we are brothers and sisters in Christ. So the things I have to say to you today, God has been building on my heart for the last 46 years. And I've always been rejected. I've always been ridiculed. I've always been lied about. I've always been falsely accused. By people in church. Why? I spoke only what the Bible says. And people get angry. Here's an example. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Yeah? Being willing to die for her. So that you may present her in all glory before Christ when he comes. Or do you love your wife the way Christ loved the church? Or do you love her the way you want? Because I can tell you, God's not interested in loving your wife the way you want. And if that's what you do, you receive not, no eternal rewards for this. Sometimes we have to face one another very strongly. Sometimes we have to rebuke one another very strongly in love. Not in hate or anger, not personally. Not because I don't like you or the way you look or the way you talk. Because then everybody would hate me. Because I don't talk like a pastor. I had, the, I had the, the head teacher at Spurgeon's Bible College call me into his office after three years there. And he said, you know, Mike, you're never going to be a pastor. I, oh, really? That's nice. Who told you that? Who told you? He 
said, well, it's, it's the way you are. How am I? Tell me. He says, well, you're very aggressive. Your whole approach, your voice, your accent, your body, your, just, everything you do is aggressive. Yes, yeah, so? What does that mean? He said, well, it's just not the way a pastor is. You're not telling me who told you. Because is this your opinion, or did the Holy Spirit tell you to tell me this? He said, well, it's my opinion. Then I'm not interested. Because who are you to tell me what God wants from me? I don't care what you think. I don't care what you say. I don't care who you are. I care what the Holy Spirit says. And when you're ready to talk to me by, by the power of the Holy Spirit, call me again. And until then, you know, don't even talk to me. He got so angry, wiped everything off his desk. You see? You see what I mean? You see? You make everybody angry. Maybe you shouldn't be a pastor. <laughs> he said, just get out. Get it out. You're provoking me. Me, I didn't say anything. You started the conversation. Yeah? And now you're telling me I, I, I'm provoking you. <laughs> uh, and this is a, a, a typical example of my life. Because I grew up in New York. My father died when I was four. My I got another father when I was 10 who, who was, who would be better off without a father. He, he was very aggressive and abusive. And didn't really care about me. and Wanted me out of the house. So I stayed out of the house. And I grew up in the streets. And God permitted this. And I used to say to God, God, what, why? What, what did I do? What did I do wrong? I got to grow up in the street. I got to have people like this in my life. Always being afraid. Always having to fight. Fight, fight, fight. But God knew what his plan was for my life. And he made me a fighter. And fight I will for his glory. And die I will for his glory. And growing up in the gang, I learned about love. I learned about caring for each other. I cared about living and dying for each other. Because that's what we had to do. And when I was in Bible school and they would talk in the classroom, oh, love, we need love. I said, you don't know what love is. You don't know what it means to, to jump in front of a bullet, to take a beating from 10 guys because you want to help your, your brother in the gang. You don't know what it is. You don't know what love costs. You talk about it. But you don't do it. Why? Just think for a minute. If we loved by the power of the Holy Spirit that we say we have inside of us. This church would be totally different. You wouldn't be sitting apart, number one. You'd be sitting near each other. You'd want to be close. You'd want to be touching each other. You want to feel the, the love of each other. But you don't care. You don't. From a spiritual perspective, you don't care. You want to be comfortable. So be comfortable. 
But you're never going to grow. You're never going to grow in intimacy with God. And that's what it's all about if you're born again. He allows you to know him so you can become intimate with him. Is that your desire? Is it? Because do you know the cost of doing that? You know, I, I, I got this pet thing in my head with this song. I don't know the name. But the chorus goes, You'll never know how much it costs to see my sins upon the cross. You know the song? You sing it, right, when they play it. Every church I go to where they play, everybody's singing. Oh, let's go. Hallelujah. Praise God. Are those words true? I'm sorry. Maybe I'm making too much of it. But do you not know the cost of having your sins upon the cross? Do you not know it? Honestly. Because if you don't, you shouldn't be here. You should be somewhere else. Because there's no benefit for you to be here. For yourself or for others. Because you'll never value what God has done for you. You'll never value what has taken place in and through your life. And you'll live your life just not much different than you did before if you're born again. If you're not born again, you probably don't have a clue of what I'm talking about. And that's okay. Maybe God will speak to you today and open your heart and your mind. Because now my life has been transferred Colossians chapter 1, if you have your Bibles. Uh, you got to love the Bible. Beginning in verse 10. Or 9. For this reason we also, since the day we heard about it, have not ceased praying for you. And asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And that's not the verse I'm looking for. Ah, sorry, got to continue. Strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all perseverance and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, for he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. 
He rescued us from the domain of darkness. When you're born naturally, you enter the world in a world of, which is darkness. You can't see spiritual things. You can't hear spiritual things. You can't see the kingdom of God. You can never have the hope of entering the kingdom of God. It's darkness. You live the way you want. You do the best you can. Because you have no other hope. So what do you do? You try to fill all the emptiness in your life as you feel your way through the darkness. But Christ died. He shed his blood. That's why my sins can be put upon the cross. He gave himself for me. And where I grew up, if somebody gives his life for you, man, you owe him. You owe him and his family. And, and, and you just... Oh, the, the, the degree of love that you had for that person reaches the limit. And you never forget what he did for you. Well, Jesus did it for us. I didn't deserve it. I know that. I knew I was going to hell. Horrible way to live. I had no hope of God ever forgiving me. People would come and share the gospel with me. Uh, leave me alone. I, I, I know I'm going to hell. No, no, he died for you. He died for you, not me. My sins are too many, too, too strong. I, 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 I went against God for too long. He'll never forgive me. But he did. I don't know why. I don't know how, but he did. And he let me know it. He moved in my heart. He spoke to me. He said, Mike, I forgive you. I love you. Come now and serve me with your whole heart. Come and serve me and know me. And he cleaned my soul. I felt like I could float in, in the room where I was. I knew I was saved. And I know now I was saved. I am saved. And no one, no one will ever convince me of anything different. No one. I will defend that honor. Read with me in Second Timothy. I have this on my emails at the bottom. For this reason, verse 12, 2 Timothy 1.12. For this reason, I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to protect what I have entrusted to him until that day. Hold on to the example of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Protect through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. What, what do you believe has been entrusted to you? Do you believe anything has been entrusted to you? Do you believe you've been given any sort of responsibility or gift when God saved you? I'm going to speak today assuming everyone is born again. If you're not, well... We'll have to pray for you, especially after the service. 
And I pray God will touch your heart this morning. So I'm going to assume everyone is born again and understands spiritual things because Jesus transferred us from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son, which is light. So now I walk in light. Now I live a spiritual life. I live a life in a spiritual dimension because I'm born again. And what does that mean? I'm dead. I'm Mike's dead. But new Mike is alive. You don't want to see old Mike. No, Mike is not good. Leave him, leave him home. <laughs> don't bring him with you. But new Mike, new Mike lives for the glory of God. Hey, I'm not perfect, nor would I expect you to be perfect. But you know who expects us to be perfect? Everybody. That's it, only him. Amen. Be perfect as I am perfect. Be holy as I am holy. You can do it. But you know why you don't? Because nobody tells you. Nobody challenges you. Nobody says, come on, what are you doing? Get up. Read that Bible. Speak that Bible. Live that Bible. And experience the glory of God. Experience the treasures. Everybody's worried about uh, uh, rewards. Everybody's worried about uh, being, uh, what's that word? Healthy and prosper. Prosperity. Uh, it's a new gospel. Uh, I hear so many people in Brazil. Oh, you're going to go home tonight and God's going to prosper you. I come next week, I ask him, did you get prospered? No. Uh, what happened? I go to the pastor. He didn't get he didn't get prospered. You know what he told me? I'm not responsible for what the Holy Spirit says to people through me. I just say it. Oh, you are a fool, brother. You are a fool. What kind of attitude is that? You're not responsible. You're going to give an account for every word that left your mouth. And the shame to tell somebody, give them a false hope because you want to try to get them excited. Who cares about getting excited for worldly things? Because they perish. Yeah? You ever been robbed? Things didn't last too long. You ever been beaten up? Your peace didn't belong, uh, last too long. But eternal things, which Jesus commanded you, commanded me, so he commanded us. Lay for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy. Not here. Because I'm there and I'm going to protect it till you come. Yeah? Isn't that what he said? But do you believe it? I believe it. I want, I want those treasures. Yeah? I'll give away everything I have to get those treasures because these things are going to perish. There. Going to live for eternity. I'm going to tell you a story. And not to bring attention to me, but the attention to God, so he can touch your hearts. I was working in the bank. I was making good money. And I said, okay, now I can live. Yeah. Buy a car, go on holiday, 
new clothes, buy a house. Yeah, I got the money. I got the money, money, money. Praise God, you gave me money. I went to Spain on holiday for a week. I laid on the beach. Wasn't so happy. They said, God, why, 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 why I'm not happy? I got all this money now. I'm on the beach. He said, who told you to go to the beach? Did I tell you to go to the beach? No. Well, why'd you go to the beach? Because I got the money. I thought I could. Well, I knew I could, but I, I thought I needed a holiday. Remember when you were born again? Yeah. Well, you died to those decisions you want to make. Now you ask me. I'm your father. I'm your spiritual father. You ask me for anything you want, anything you want to do, anything you want to buy, anything you want to, anywhere you want to go. You ask me, or wait till I tell you. I said, should I get up and go home now? Enjoy the last few days. Yeah, but don't do it again. Because he said, that money I gave you is not yours. Don't you understand that? It's not yours. When did you think it was yours? Well, I worked hard for it. Well, who gave you success at the job? You think you're so smart? I know I'm not that smart. <laughs> he says, I gave you wisdom. I gave you discernment. I gave you the courage to speak out about things when no one else would. Don't lose dependency on me. And don't ever think that money is yours. Yeah? Don't ever make that mistake. So I started to live very differently. One day I was working in London. I had to go to New York on business. I was in a hotel. Sunday came and I went to my friend's church, a Norwegian pastor, very godly man. I walked into the church early. As I sat down, God said to me, remember I told you bring the checkbook? Yeah. Well, I want you to write a check. Okay. I started writing the check. I left the amount out. He said, why, why you stop now? I said, well, I don't know how much to put. Well, did you ask me? No. I'm asking now. $20,000. I want you to write a check. Okay. So I learned by now, not to question. Okay. A check. Collection box. The basket came. Finished the service. The pastor didn't see me. I stayed in the corner. He finished the service. He came to the people and he said, I'm ashamed of all of you. Shame on you before God. We had a chance to receive 20 missionaries from Europe to come here to our city and go into the bad, poor neighborhoods where you won't go. They're willing to go. And you wouldn't give money to bring them. You're all wealthy. You all have plenty of money. You all have nice things. But you couldn't give money to bring the missionaries. Shame on you. And we've lost a golden opportunity. He said, I almost want to resign from here after this because of your attitudes. So, so bad. 
He was a good pastor. <laughs> As he's speaking, someone comes from the back, comes up to him, He, re he reads the check. He looks the name. He starts looking. He starts crying. Oh, Mike. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> you are a man of God. You had no idea what was going on here. No one told you. God spoke to you. And that money is the exact amount of money we need to bring the missionaries here. And he looked at the people and he said, shame on you. You wouldn't do it, but God wants them here. Because he wants to wake us up. And to wake us up, he brought a man from England to come here and give all the money that you wouldn't give. So now you go home and pray and make, get ready to provide everything else they need. And they came. A year later, I was back on business, went to the church, had coffee. This little black boy comes up to me. He's 10 years old. Are you Mike? Yeah. <laughs> why? So you live in England? Yeah, why? <laughs> You're making me nervous here. He said, you're the guy who gave the money for the missionaries? Now, maybe. Why? Because those missionaries came to my house and they prayed for my father, who was a drunk, and my mother, who was a junkie prostitute. They prayed for them every day. They came every day and prayed. They went to the prostitute areas. They got beat up by the, the, the Johns of the prostitutes. And they stayed there and they prayed for the prostitutes and for those people every single day. They banged on my father's door until he finally opened it. And he let you in. And you told him about Jesus. You told him about forgiveness of sins. You told him that even though he didn't deserve it, God was willing to give it to him. And he gave his life to Jesus. God saved him through the life of those missionaries. And then they went to my mother. My father brought them to my mother specifically to pray for three weeks. Standing in the rain, standing in bed, no matter what, they prayed every day, standing there, proclaiming the gospel. Until my mother was willing to listen. And God saved my mother. And now we're a family again. My mother, my father, and eight brothers and sisters. And we come to church. Every opportunity we have. Every time that church is open, we are there. And Mike, you know something? I want you to know. When I get to heaven, I'm going to look for you. I know it's going to be big, but I'm going to find you because I want to glorify God by saying thank you, Mike, for what you did. Think. Think for a moment. Use this to examine your heart. 
What could I have possibly bought with $20,000, $30,000, that could compare to that? A family saved. A treasure is laid in heaven. And I can't wait to get there to celebrate and receive it. What are you doing? What are you doing with your lives? I sit in Brazil. I live on a farm. Many times I just sit and cry. Because I feel like the the weeping prophet Jeremiah. He sees the people perishing. He sees the people destroying themselves, being deceived by false leaders, by false prophets. And giving in to them, believing them, following them. But to follow a real man of God? No. Robson is a man of God. If I was here in London, I'd be here as part of this church. Anyone I speak to, they say, well, I can't find a good church. Camrose Baptist. Follow the man. Give yourself to the man. Let him disciple you. Let him train you so you can go make other, other disciples. And lay treasures in heaven. What are you doing? This weekend we had a fellowship and there was a woman who had cancer and they were praying for her. And they said, oh, poor sister, oh, God has saved her. Oh, okay, you miss her, you feel bad for her. After they finished, I said, uh, hey, look, uh, I don't mean to offend you, yeah? But why are you crying? The Bible says rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. It says rejoice in all things. I asked her, are you born again? She said, yes. And what's the problem? Because I have cancer. If so, I got arthritis. I got in a large prostrate. <laughs> Everybody's got something. You got cancer. So, what, what are you worried about? Oh, I'm going to die. Yeah, me too. We're all going to die. So what's the problem? I'm waiting for the answer. Like, what's the problem? Another husband said, well, I have to see my wife suffer. Yeah, well. Imagine how God felt when he saw his son suffer. But that was okay. It's okay if he suffers. It's okay if somebody else suffers. But not me. I said, you don't see what God has done. He's done a great thing in your life. By giving me cancer? Yeah. He's given you a ministry that you never had before. He's given you an opportunity to go to the doctors and go to the hospital and go talk to the nurses and the patients and other people with cancer and the children and the families and share with them. Share the hope that's living inside you. Is there hope living inside you? Well, then share it. Proclaim it. What did Jesus say in Acts 1.8? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses. Well, that's what happens. God gives you his Holy Spirit, not so you can dance around in the church and speak in tongues and heal people, knock them down. 
He gives you these powers and abilities to proclaim the good news. Well, there's your way to proclaim good news. You got cancer. Hey, look, not that I would wish it on you, but I kind of envy you. Because you're going to have a daily opportunity to witness the people who are lost and dying with no hope. And you have the perfect key to open the door. Just take off your hat. They see no hair. You're in. What's that? Cancer. Oh, you have cancer? Yeah. Oh, poor you. No, no. Let me stop you. Not poor me. Blessed me. God has blessed me. He saved me. I have eternal life. I know him. I have intimacy with him. I could tell you about him. Is there a better job in the world? I don't think so. Laying treasures in heaven. That woman, I told her, I said, if you will get up off your... Yeah, and stop feeling sorry for yourself. And I understand why you do it. I'm not trying to be insensitive completely. <laughs> but get up. Get up and go. Go to the hospital. It's so excited that as soon as you open the door, you say, praise God, I'm here. Who needs to hear the gospel? Who's afraid to die? Yeah, you're afraid to die? You're afraid to die? Yeah. You believe in Jesus? Yeah. Let me tell you about it. Because I'm not sick. I'm equipped to go and do the work of an evangelist. And you, her husband, you're going to be by her side. And you'll be blessed. It'll be difficult. Absolutely. But don't look at the bad side only. Yeah. Set your mind on the things above where Christ is. Fix it there and listen and look and see what God is saying to you, what he wants from you. Not what you want. That's what we have to stop. We have to stop. I want, I want, I want, I want. I don't like. I wish I had more. I wish I had a different house. I wish I had a better car. I, I wish I had... Yeah. You're dead. You're born again. You're dead. Huh? Hoochie, you're dead. You're born again with life. God is your father. Rejoice. Paula, rejoice. Paula's a perfect example. She's got a ministry to all the other nuts in the city. <laughs> right? I told her, you got to get assigned the nut club for Jesus. But it's amazing what God does with her life. She's in a swimming pool and the lady comes up next to her. And she says, hi, how are you? Hi, I'm Paula. And then she starts saying, I have, I have mental health problems. Paula says, oh yeah, me too. <laughs> she was getting a haircut one day and the hairdresser, and the hairdresser starts saying, everything okay, Paula? She says, yeah, no, I'm, just, I'm kind of struggling. Yeah, I got mental health problems. Oh, you do? I do too. And people just confess to her their problems. And she witnesses them. She brings a living hope. But for many years, she left it dead inside of her, not alive. And maybe some of you are doing that today. 
Maybe some of you are, are, are living in fear, in hopelessness. Maybe some of you have screwed up, okay? I screwed up. I married a woman, my first wife. She wasn't a believer. I believed the lie from Satan. I married her. Nobody's perfect. And then she divorced me. Took all my money, which they usually do. <laughs> but God bless me. <laughs> yeah? She left me with $150 a month to live on. I mean, I, I didn't fight it because I wanted the children to be happy and not get hurt. And she wanted more. She, she was wishing I'd get a raise so she could take more. Her lawyer looked at her and said, you know something? You should be ashamed of yourself. Don't ever ask me to represent you again because you are a nasty lady. <laughs> you see that man? That man has so much integrity. He cares about you and the children even to sacrifice every penny he has left. I wish my daughters would have found a man like that. But God blessed. He provided. He made a way for me when there seemed to be no way. It's another nice song, yeah? God will make a way when there seems to be no way. I don't know. So what, what, what do I want to say now? I, I don't know. What's left to be said? God, what has been entrusted to you. But in order to do that, you have to realize what's been entrusted to you. If you don't know what you have, it's like people have in their garage paintings and 40 years later, they find out that it's worth $30 million because it's a Rembrandt. But they never had it tested. They never knew the value. So it sat in the garage. And we're doing this with our spiritual gifts. Jesus gave commands. Not the Ten Commandments, they're done. He gave commands. A new commandment I give you, John 34, John 13, 34, 35. A new commandment I give you, that you have love for one another. Even as I have loved you, I have love for one another. By doing this, all men will know you are my disciples. Well, who knows your disciples of Jesus Christ? Because you have love for one another. These are the tough questions, yeah? I'm going to challenge you. How many of you have love for one another? How many of you even know one another? I'm not going to embarrass you, though I'd like to, but I'm not. But if I was to ask you, what's his name there, the guy? Do you know it? I said I wouldn't embarrass you, see? Why don't we know each other? Come every week. What do you need to know each other? You know, in this day and age, you got phones, you got WhatsApp, you, oh, you don't have WhatsApp. But you got TikTok and Micmac and Licklock and Clicklock. <laughs> and you got, uh, uh, what's that, uh, emails. 
Yahoo, Google, you got all these things. You don't even have to get up off your to know one another. Ring them up, as you say in England. Ring them up. <laughs> right? Ring them up. Here in New York, we say call them. Ring them up. Call somebody. Go to them. Say, hey, hey, excuse me. I don't know you. What's your name? What's your phone number? Okay, I'm going to call you this week. Is that okay? I'd like to come visit you this week. Is that okay? Why don't we do that? She's already given me a number. <laughs> Took one minute. There's people here that I've met during my stay, and they tell me, Mike, I have no one to walk with in Christ. I have no one. I feel all alone. Imagine in this city being all alone. Is it only your, your, your direct family that you're close to or you care about? Is it only your mother or your sister or your father, or your brother, or your cousin or whoever? Is that the only one? Yeah, he's going to tell me to stop. I tell you, it's no good. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You let God be the judge of that. <laughs> well, let me ask you before he gets aggravated. <laughs> Is anyone want to go on a little bit, 10 minutes? Or the... <laughs> Shame on you. Look, you see, we can have a lot of fun, yeah? We can have a lot of joy and laughter. And we need that, because there's not enough of it. We come to church, we sing the song. You got a pianist, this guy's tremendous. Yeah, I listened to him play, I think I'm in like the, the opera house. Yeah? How many of you tell him that? Oh, you're in the worship group, you don't count. But how many of you tell them, say, Alvaro, we are blessed with you as the pianist. Praise God. Encourage him, edify him. Maybe nobody tells me, nobody cares, I'm playing everything. <laughs> it can happen. Satan is very clever. Yeah? Very clever. He'll deceive you very easily. Yeah? Jesus said, Satan is so clever that he could deceive even the chosen of God if it was possible. So, be on the alert. Eh? Do you know the weapons, the spiritual weapons of warfare? Do you know them? Do you know how to use them? You know how to use them? I'm looking at you. You're shaking your head. I didn't ask, that's an answer to a different question. I didn't ask you if you tried to. Do you use them? Can you use them effectively? Then you should teach a course. And everyone should go. Because we need to know in unity. I was in the Air Force. We had to know how to shoot the guns and, and weaponize the planes. 
in unity. If we didn't work in unity, we're done. So Jesus told us, love one another. And then he said, go ye therefore and preach the gospel. Yeah? Go therefore make disciples, Matthew 24. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. This was Jesus telling them. But you know what? He's telling you too. Don't think because he's not here in the flesh, he's not talking to you. Whatever you read in here, put your name there. When you read these verses, go you therefore, Isabella, and make disciples. Don't sit here, I'm having a baby. I'm taking a baby. You know what it's like walking around with this? Yes, I do. <laughs> Not pleasant, yeah? <laughs> but I still go and make disciples, and so can you. Man, I tell you, I don't know, I read the Bible, and it's so personal, it's so encouraging, so exciting to read the things that Jesus says. But it's also very challenging. In 1 John, man, John got crazy. I don't know what happened to him from the time Jesus died to the time he wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. But that guy, something really changed with him because he became very straight. And there's stories written about him where he went with boldness into camps of pirates and thieves to rescue people they had kidnapped who he was discipling. He went on a horse and rode up to the mountains. He said, I, I want my boy back. I said, you can't have him. I want my boy back. That boy is saved by Jesus Christ. He's coming with me. And they let him go. Do you have that boldness? Do you have that courage to step out? Yesterday, Claudio told me there were 800,000 Muslims marching in the street. Yeah, 800,000. Well, whatever. There, there were 800,000 people with flags of different Muslim countries. You got to wake up. You better wake up. Because God is passing judgment on this country. Let me tell you. Because the people who called themselves Christians have abandoned God. And if you, if you are part of the remaining remnant that God has chosen to be his people, to stand for his glory, get ready. Because things are going to get very, very difficult. The, the, I mean, they already have, yeah? But they're going to get worse. You're going to see a change in the economy. You're going to see a reduction in the amount of money that's available to people. Because it's going everywhere else around the world. You're going to see people have, lose their houses because they can't pay the mortgages. You're going to see people lose their apartments, their cars, their jobs. They won't have money. 
If you have children, they'll probably call you and ask you to move back in with them because it's going to get so bad. The medical care is terrible. Doctors are leaving the country. Who's going to care for you? Everything's happening in reverse. Before, it was the people who immigrated here suffered. Now, it's the people who are here are going to suffer. Mark my words. So prepare yourself. Prepare yourself by examining your heart every time you have communion. Even when you don't have communion, take time to examine your hearts and ask God, Forgive Robson, forgive me those evil eyes to finish. I'm not sorry if I kept you longer because I care too much about you guys. I, I wish I could stay longer. I really do. Because I know the work that God is going to do through Robson in touching your lives if you make yourself available to him. And God will honor your commitment, and he'll bless you. Don't take it lightly. Don't waste it. God, what has been entrusted to you. Guard it, protect it. You know the parable Jesus told about the, the, the guy walking through the fields? He found a, 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 a treasure box. Un, unbelievable treasure. He went home, he sold everything he had to buy this treasure. To buy the field so he can have this treasure. Everything he had, he sold. And then another guy went through the field and found a pearl of great value. Same thing, went home, sold everything to buy the field. Because he knew the value of that field was worth far more than anything he possessed. But Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like this. Yeah, it's like that pearl. It's like that treasure. You can't compare the value if you know what it is. And if you know what it is, you're going to guard it prayerfully, carefully. Look, we need each other. No, nobody's a, an, a, I don't know, a rolling stone or whatever they call it. An island. Thank you. Trying to make me look silly, huh? <laughs> Nobody's an island. We need each other. And you know what? Jesus said, forgive. Forgive. You can't love. You can't say, I love you, and not forgive the person. You can't. My wife tells me that. And I tell her, it's wrong. She says, I, I like you. You're not supposed to like me. You're supposed to love me. I can't forgive you. That's, that's silly. Silly words out of the mouth of a person who's born again. I can't forgive you. Go to God and tell him about a situation you're in. I told God once, a guy hit my mother. Where I'm from, you hit my mother, you're dead. No questions asked. You, you're going to die. I was waiting to kill the guy. And God wouldn't let him get up. He, he overslept. 
And God said to me, what are you doing here, Mike? You forget I saved you? Yeah, but he hit my mother. And so, they put my son on the cross. Can you compare? No, but, but God, he, he, he knows he's going to die. He knows. It's not like he will be surprised. He's just waiting. Yeah, but it's wrong. No, but he deserves to die. So did you. God told me, so, so did you. What do you say to God? So, do, so did you, Mike, but I forgave you. And now you won't forgive this guy because he hit your mother? Like, big deal. Look, compare that to what I did for you. So choose, Mike. Choose who you will serve. Who gives you eternal life? You do. Well, then get up. Get up and follow me. And I did. Thank God I did. Are you saying the same thing? Are you saying somebody doesn't deserve forgiveness? Because that's what God will tell you the same thing. When you tell God they don't deserve to be forgiven, so do you. Are you happy with that? <laughs> it's not a pretty thing. So, let's take a moment to examine our hearts before God. I'll give you a break. I'll finish early. But, but, but I asked, I know his name, Alvaro. I was testing you to see if you were going to say something. And you failed. I, I, did you learn the song? No, of course not. Okay. We'll let it play here. It's a song. Can you get YouTube over there and put it on the screen? I'm going to close with this. I promise. All that I am. This is a song that I listen to every day. And I'll challenge you to listen to it as well. It's a song that will cause you to examine every aspect of your life. And see whether these things are true for you. Because some days they will be, some days they won't be. All that I am, I lay before you. I have no idea. If you're currently paying for a subscription... Do you think I am a genius? Oh, I don't think I have the Wi-Fi here. Yeah? Let's sing together. Well, if you... If you don't know the song, you can't sing. When you're ready, sing along, but read the words. Allow the words to speak to your heart. Yeah.
One more time. This time we all sing together. You can sit if you want, doesn't matter. Did I shake your hand? I'll shake it again. blessed this morning and I pray that the Holy Spirit of God will continue to contend with you and know what being born again means. Lord we want to thank you for your word this morning. Take Lord everything that we are. We are yours and help us to know that every morning as we wake up and not go into our day-to-day without asking you for guidance. Thank you, Lord. Pray for Mike that you continue to bless him, continue to give him strength as he serves in the gift that you have given him. Continue to protect him as well. Bless your people this morning. Bless us all and bring us more close to each other learning to forgive each other, to love each other unconditionally, and learn from you what love it's all about. In Jesus' name we pray.
shall we say grace together, but I want you to look to the person next to you and tell him from the bottom of your heart, say, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all today and evermore. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. If you want more information about Camrose Baptist Church, visit our website, www.camrosebc.org.uk. Follow us on Instagram at Camrose Baptist Church and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Camrose Baptist Church Edgeware.